The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! Go, Are you ready for a break? Uh, yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Ambar Garcia, Brian Broadus, Patrick Walker, and Derek Eagleton. It is Tuesday, September 12th, 2023, season 19, episode number 29. Welcome to the latest edition of The Break. We are live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. Amber's not joining us today, but we got the other three guys, three of, three of us in studio. We'll have uh, lots to talk about today. We're going to do a little stroll around the NFL and the NFC East particularly. Uh, we got some player evaluations that we didn't get to yesterday of a few players that uh, had some some games, some good games, some that we probably will talk a little bit about that maybe you want to see a little bit more from. Uh, we'll talk about that in the second segment. And, of course, in the third segment, we got our regular regular mainstay on Tuesday's lab coat with no C. We'll get into that in the third segment. So let's get this thing rolling. Let's first talk about uh, the NFL and a story that, that really has transcended football to some degree. I, I got a notice from I got a, a little push notification from CNN, mm. and my wife said <laughs> at the same time she was getting a push notification from TMZ. Tells you a lot about our worlds, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, that's what and and they were all talking about Aaron Rodgers being gone. He's gone with uh, an Achilles injury. Um, I'll th- I'll throw it up to you guys to get your opinions, but I'll just say first of all. Last night, I would assume I'm not the only one that just felt almost like a gut punch, even though you're not a yeah. Jets fan. You kind of wanted to see how this thing was going to play out and certainly didn't want to, four plays into the season, figure out that he's not going to be there anymore. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I the I thought that Robert Sala postgame handled it very well. When you listen to his comments, my experience working in this league and you know Patrick you're new to being in the NFL but Derek you know you've been here a long time as well the the thing is nobody feels sorry for you I have no doubt about that you know and nobody feels sorry for you you know when with when injuries like this happen you know it's and and I and I think Robert Sala sent the right message to his team you know don't feel sorry for me don't feel sorry for this team Feel sorry for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and we could all feel that way. But in the NFL, you look at it and you go, well, that's an injury. You know, we've we've been so conditioned to Jason Garrett's next man up philosophy. And but that's that's how you have to live in the National Football League. You know, there there's sure they they moved on. You know, if you they moved on from Zach Wilson. You know, they 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 picked Zach Wilson second overall. That's the thing they have to repair now. Yeah, they have to fix Aaron Rodgers, but they have to fix Zach Wilson here. So if you're the Jets, that should be your focus. But I, I you know, I'm I'm looking at it like, you know what? That's it's part of what that's we football. that's what we deal with here in the NFL. Yeah. That's you know, when you when you sit in those chairs, you know there's a potential that you might not walk out of this hole with your football team. And now the Jets and they've got a good team. The Jets have got some skill guys. We'll talk about that this week. This will be a difficult game for the Cowboys. But this is also the side of me It's like, you know what? Now you're really going to see what the New York Jets are all about. Mm-hmm. Can they withstand a massive loss to their team and be able to and to be better for it? We'll see. It's, um, it's one of those situations where 
you know, I mean, I've been covering the NFL for, for about 10 years and I've been an NFL fan all my life. And, 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 you know, I harken back to my childhood and you see players like Joe Montana go to Kansas City. Then you fast forward and you see, you know, Brett Favre go to the Jets, Tom Brady go to Tampa Bay, and now Aaron Rodgers go to New York. Whenever you have those future first ballot Hall of Famers make those changes, and we'll stick to quarterback because you could talk about Emmitt Smith, but that's PTSD. We don't want to do that. Um, <laughs> but when you talk about these future first ballot Hall of Fame quarterbacks making yeah. these changes and all of the, the pomp and circumstance and hype that builds up to it, um, this – arguably, or maybe even without argument, was one of the more hyped-up off-seasons for this type of change in the NFL. So then we only get four snaps of Aaron Rodgers. He was pressured on two of them. It was almost two sacks. The, the one that was a sack by Leonard Floyd unfortunately ended his season, which then brings question marks on did it end his career. We'll see you know, what the future holds for Aaron Rodgers. But I'm with Brian 100%. From inside the locker room, you can't feel sorry for yourself as a team. You can't get down on yourself. So credit to the Jets' defense for stepping up and continuing right. to play. Credit to Zach Wilson for stepping in and, and at least not giving the game away. He had the touchdown to Garrett Wilson. Um, but that's all go, that all goes to the leadership of Robert Sala, who's just a magnificent yeah. leader of men. Um, but it, you think about it also from the capacity of a fan, and you really have to feel like all the air went out of the room if you were a Jets fan. Uh, and granted, the Cowboys are going to go up against the Jets, and you have that friendly banter, competition, things of that nature, but I find it difficult to not feel badly for the Jets fans because they've been waiting so long. You're talking about the Cowboys, but the Cowboys yeah. have five rings, and yeah, we're waiting for the drought yeah. to end, but we've at least, a lot of us have at least felt that. The Jets, Joe Namath, yeah. I mean, how, six years old when that happened. So that's yeah, what right. I mean. yeah. So in yeah. this, you were this, six years old. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. this, as a Jets fan, is is devastating. It's crushing. Uh, bittersweet evening. They were able to finish it on a high note, but to get the, the confirmation this morning um, and to see it happen in real time, I mean, you had to feel like your chest got. I mean, your heart got ripped out of your chest for those Jets fans. Yeah, it's interesting because as someone who wants to see the Cowboys do well, when he first went down, I'm like. High ankle sprain? Like, like, I'll take a high ankle sprain just so we don't have to play him. But I didn't want him to be down. Right. I wanted him to play this season because, I, I mean, as a football fan, you want to watch the best players play, right? Right. right. And, uh, and so that's the part that's always disheartening this time of the year particularly is when you see really great players on any team go down. For your own selfish reasons, for whatever well, team you're, you're rooting for, you kind of like, well, we don't have to face them. But at the same time, it's football. But then also here comes well, the yeah. asterisk, asterisk. If the Cowboys do what we expect them to do on on Sunday afternoon, now it's like, oh, well, it was against Wilson versus Aaron Rodgers. I go back to the same thing I felt going against Tom Brady going into the wild card game last year. Mm -hmm. I want to play these guys because I want to exorcise these demons. And mm -hmm. I that's another gut punch for me because I wanted to see Aaron Rodgers. I feel like this defense and even this offense was primed to finally get over that Aaron Rodgers hump, and we kind of got robbed of it. Yeah. Well, I think that if we could all go back and remember how we felt this time last year when Dak Prescott True. was dealing, we were trying to figure out, did he break his thumb? Did he break his hand? What happens here? Yeah. You know, and, and now you're thinking, okay, here's Cincinnati and Joe Burrow coming to town in week two. And you're thinking like, okay, I, I, I guarantee, yeah, I guarantee you, there were people, <laughs> there were people, and you're right in my timeline, there were people that were, this season's over, yeah, this season's over, and but you know, look what happened, look how well the defense picked things up, mm -hmm. how well Cooper Rush played, you know, it's as an NFL fan, you should still have hope, mm -hmm. you should still, if your team is good enough, and what we saw last night with the Jets, they're good enough. You know, 
the, the team you might feel sorry for if you're into drafting is the Green Bay Packers. Because the Green Bay Packers were thinking they were going to get a first-round pick yeah. from Aaron Rodgers, and right. now they get a second-round pick. Yeah. So, you know, with him not playing more than 70% of the games. So as a Packer fan and a Packer organization, you're probably, damn, you're doing that. But as as a whole, I, I think the Jets – I think the Jets could be very similar to what the Cowboys were last year. Yeah. You know, if they'll figure out a way to run the football, play within what they can do with, uh, you know, with their quarterback, with Zach Wilson, and their defense will find a way to shine. Yeah, I think the worst thing the Cowboys can do at this point is to underestimate the Jets. No, no I, that, not at all. That Please, defense not is at still all. way too talented. You do not want to underestimate no. a, def- a team that has a great defense because – Defense, as we know, it's, it's it's said all the time, but it really is true. Defense does win championships. If you have a great defense, you can be in every single game, and all it takes is a play here, a play there, mm-hmm. and you can win that game, as we saw last night. Well, and you saw Buffalo last night just turn the ball over. Yeah, you know, and that ultimately led to the end of uh, the end of their their opportunity to win the game. Uh, you know, with this, but that's what the Jets do. The Jets, you know, we'll get into them more this week, but they they create opportunities and they will continue to find ways. And I think maybe the one thing for Zach Wilson, him working this summer with Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers at one time wasn't the most touchy-feely guy. He's not the, you know, he wasn't, but he he really did embrace Zach Wilson. And and maybe you Zach Wilson learned some things along the way here. You know, and maybe his teammates will, but there's there's going to have to be some repair in the Jets organization when it comes to Zach Wilson. You know, they 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 did. They basically said, "Hey, we're going to go get Aaron Rodgers, and he is going to be our quarterback." So now it's a little bit about okay, well, you know, here we are. And Zach Wilson, I'm, I'm sure he's better prepared now than he was, you know, if he was going to be the starter. And I, and I believe that to be the case as well. And, I, and we'll get into uh, more of the Jets this week. But um, I was asked this morning on on the fan, um, will this will the Cowboys overlook the Jets now? And, and I don't believe that's no, going to because that's not no. the culture in the locker room. But I will also say for any fan that wants to suddenly overlook. Uh, Zach Wilson and, and the Jets, in, inclusive of their defense, go back and look at last night's game. Yeah, because Buffalo felt like once they knocked Rodgers out of the game, oh, the game was in the bag at that point. If you're Buffalo, because your defensive front had been dominating their offensive line, so forth and so on. So, but then what happens? Josh Allen one take, one giveaway. Here's yeah. another giveaway. Here's yeah. another giveaway. Here's another giveaway. Four giveaways on the night ends up being in overtime because you got stuck at 13 points. You had to muster 16, which was the the field goal that got you there, and then you lose on the walk off return for the uh, for the touchdown. So. Any fan that's overlooking this Jets team needs to look no further than the psychology that the Buffalo Bills had when Aaron Rodgers went out and what happened after that. Mm-hmm. So as a fan, think of it from that capacity as a, someone who's walking around this building with these players and these coaches, 100% guarantee you they're not overlooking anybody. Let's flip the conversation to the NFC East. Cowboys tied with uh, Philadelphia and Washington at 1-0 and uh, atop the division. Both Philly and Washington won this last weekend, although Philly did try to give that game away. Twice. Twice. New England just could not take on, it from them. Patriots. And Bill Belichick allowed it to happen, doing? which is surprising. Yeah. You know, it, To me, he went for it. There was three opportunities that the Patriots had to get points. And to give the Eagles defense a lot of credit on the final three, the, the drive that they stopped them on fourth down, that turned the ball over. New England could have kicked the field goal there, could have taken the points, and then found a way with timeouts and, and time left, could have found a way to play defense. And ultimately, you know, it, it, they, uh, they, they got the ball back twice. 
know, Nick Sirianni gave it to him one time, could have punted the ball, and Mac Jones is not going to drive the ball the length of the field to get points. That's just not going to happen. So, um, yeah, it, but give the Eagles credit. They, they, they made two, well, actually three really good stops uh, to win that football game. And, and the Patriots, they, they should have capitalized. If they capitalized on that Jalen Hurts fumble, uh, it, it's likely a different outcome of that game. Yeah. I mean, and Dan Quinn talks about it all the time. Mike McCarthy talks about it all the time. There's one. It's one thing to take the ball away, which is a huge plus. But what happens? What do you do with that takeaway after that? Is it a defensive touchdown, or does the offense go down and make a, a get a points off of that? The, the Patriots ended up not getting anything out of that, and ultimately right. it came back to bite them in the end. But uh, I mean, it was. Uh, Jalen Hurts didn't light up the scoreboard, and he had the, the fumble that was lost. And, I mean, you look at Gainwell, he, 54 yards rushing, which was the, the leader of the team. Uh, Anthony Brown and Devontae Smith, they had pretty solid games, 79 and 47 yards receiving respectively, but only one receiving touchdown between the two of them. So it was a game the Patriots could have won. Uh, and you look at the Eagles, and this is who you're going to go up against as far as trying to take the NFC East crown. Yeah. If you measure the Eagles' output or the what the Eagles put on film against the Patriots versus what the Cowboys put on film against the Giants, you could rightfully lean right now. And this scale is going to, I mean, it's going to tip up and down as the season goes on. But right now, edge to the Cowboys, uh, just in comparing film to film. You look at the Giants, the only team in the division to lose, and lose in grand fashion, might I say, at the hands of the Cowboys. That being said, are the Giants as bad as what we saw no. the other night? No. No, I don't think so either. No. I, I, go ahead, Patrick. You got it. No, I, I was going to say absolutely not. Uh, we <laughs> Hashtag keep that energy is one of my main things. If we're going into this game constantly saying this New York Giants team is not a pushover, in, in this Day Bowl era, they've shown competitiveness. They've shown they can go out there and beat uh, anyone you line up against, line them up against. But then they get basically mollywhopped by the Cowboys, and now suddenly we're going to say, oh, well, they were never good in the first place. That's that's just not accurate assessment. What the correct thing to say it would be is that the Cowboys were just that dominant. They were just that elite. The defense was simply that special on that particular evening. And the Giants had no answers for it. So they shrunk more and more as the game went along. I can guarantee you, Dayball is going to get in that locker room, get in those meeting rooms, get on that practice field. You're not, you're probably not going to see the Giants get manhandled like that again at any point this year because this serves as their wake-up call. But the Cowboys were the right team to serve that wake-up call. Yeah, I feel like that if they go and lose to Arizona this week, if they continue to have problems with their offensive line, you know, then then you start to ask the questions. But yeah, there's some issues they have. Uh, you know, they they really do struggle turning people over. They got really no pass rush. You know, there were questions about the Cowboys' offensive line, especially inside with the Doga. He answered that the questions there. Yes, he did. There were things that the Giants just could not take advantage of. You know, they didn't they didn't protect. They they ran the ball initially well enough, then went completely away from it. So I think the Giants are going to need to go back to trying to be in who they are. You know, they've got to realize until they get their offensive lines solidified or at least going in the better direction, they're going to need to lean on Saquon Barkley running the ball and then sometimes uh, uh, Daniel Jones running the ball. You know, because if they're going to turn into just a team throwing the ball and they do have better skilled people, they better find a way to protect that, that is the biggest issue that the Giants have right now is their, their offensive line isn't good enough, but that, that, that's not a bad team by any means. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think ultimately, to me, that was a bit of a coaching fail 
uh, yeah. in that game because I think they – I don't know if they panicked. I don't know if they just got away from the run just because they felt like they yeah. needed to throw the ball or wanted to throw the ball. But to me, I think they the, – what they showed in that first series and then to have – I think it was two or three more series where they didn't throw it. I mean, they didn't run well, at all. The, they were just throwing the yeah, ball. The, and the it, second that, series. That, that, yeah. The second doing, series after, after the block field goal, they go three and out. And what did they do? They had a they had an incomplete. Yep. They had a PBU by Wanye Thomas, and then they had a sack by yep. Micah Parsons. And then that was that was the end of what we knew as yeah. the Giants Panic offensively. Button. Right? Yeah. They 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 should have just said, okay, fine. We're down six nothing. Barkley for five. Barkley for six. Daniel Jones for seven. You know, I mean, that's that's what they needed to get back to, and they lost they lost their path on that. And once you go down two touchdowns to the Cowboys, I think it becomes a very defense. very you play tough. right into their hands. Yeah, you it, it, look at the Minnesota game. I don't think yeah. Minnesota was a bad. Minnesota was a good team last yeah, year, they were. but they got into a situation where they fell down. And they couldn't get back up because the defense, that's right where they want you. So I, I think, you know, teams, hey, if I'm a coach from an, an opposing opposing team, I don't care if I'm down two touchdowns, I'm still running the ball. I'm yeah. going to keep forcing the issue with the run to get myself back into the game. Because if I'm going to get into just passing down, you're going to lose a game. No you're you're going to lose no a game. If, you, if it turns you're going to get embarrassed. Yeah, if it turns into a game where you constantly have to drop back and throw the ball against the Cowboys, you are going to find that you're going to probably lose that game. You're either going to lose a quarterback. You're going to maybe lose your quarterback, <laughs> yeah. but you're probably and you could either you could probably even turn over the ball yeah. the, the way that these guys play in the second. I no equate this, this Cowboys defense to a boa constrictor. Okay, yeah. once they start, they'll wrap themselves around mm-hmm. you, and then it's you know three point lead, six point lead, it gets tighter. You start to your breaths get a little mm-hmm. bit quicker. Not panicked yet, but you're like, okay, what's going on? This is what happened with the Giants, and then all of a sudden there's more points and more points and you can squeeze more and more. You can't breathe. Suddenly, mm-hmm. it's twenty-six to zero with you know five minutes left to play in the first half. Yeah, and now you're fighting for your life. They're choking mm-hmm. you out, and they're choking you out. And then over the remaining course of the the course of the remaining two and a half quarters, it's just constricted, constricted, constricted. And by oh. the time you get to the top of the uh, fourth quarter, they're they're dead. Yeah. they're done. That's I think that's how the Jets are going to have to play the Cowboys. I think they're going to have to find a way to. When we 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 get to that the the running aspect, but on the Cowboys on the flip side, you've got to make that quarterback try and score points. Mm-hmm. You know, if you put pressure on him to mm-hmm. have to score points, to Patrick's point, they're going to get choked out on yeah. that because they're they're not going to be able to score a lot of points with that quarterback right now as is. But uh, but the, the the Cowboys that that's going to be the really I think one of the keys is. Make the make the Jets have to play score for score with you, and, and I don't I don't know if they can do that. All right, we're going to take our first break. We're going to come back. We're going to get to some player evaluations. The first thing we're going to throw at you guys is going to be Tyron Smith. I want to hear what you guys have to say about him and how he performed in this first game. We'll talk about it when we come back. DallasCowboys.com radio. Todd thought it would be secure to jog in the cheetah savannah. Todd believed the big cat repellent he bought online was reliable. And now Todd is trying to be faster than this cheetah that can run 80 miles per hour. But the good news is Todd has AT&T 5G that is fast, reliable, and secure. And he learned the best thing to do is stop running and toss her the backpack with the beef stew. AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure. It's not complicated. 
5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Cowboys fans, after that move, we've just coined the term Rowdy Replay. Let's roll back the tape. Okay, there's our mascot Rowdy cheering on the boys. And now he's on his phone on his Bank of America mobile banking app? Staying on top of his finances with his virtual financial assistant, Erica. Bank of America's digital tools are so impressive. Cowboys fans just can't stop banking. Learn more at bankofamerica.com slash can't stop banking. Erica is only available in in the English language. You must download the latest version of the mobile banking app, only available on select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome back into Dear Doctor, the show where I answer life's questions with an ice-cold can of Dr. Pepper. Sheila, let's hear from our next caller, would you? Dear Doctor, my friend supported me during a tough time, but what's the right gift that says, thanks for being a soldier to cry on? Okay, this one's easy. I say give her a delicious Dr. Pepper. Nothing says, thanks, girl. Better than a -a one-of-a-kind soda. Yes, any Dr. Pepper flavor will do. Now, just a reminder that I don't need to be a real doctor to know that Dr. Pepper is the one you deserve. They say champions are remembered, but legends are never forgotten. United Ag and Turf offers a winning lineup of John Deere equipment built to tackle any challenge on and off the field. Legendary John Deere tractors, combines, residential mowers, commercial mowers, compact construction equipment, gator utility vehicles, and a full line of golf and sports turf equipment. United Ag and Turf, the official Ag and Turf equipment supplier of the Dallas Cowboys. Visit unitedagandturf.com to find a location near you back to the break do you eat sleep and breed dallas cowboys football tell us how you spice up the game for a chance to be named the 2023 cowboys fan of the year presented by captain morgan and win exclusive prizes plus a trip to super bowl 58 nominate yourself you selfish guy you or another today at dallascowboys.com slash fan of the year Welcome back. It is the second segment of the break brought to you by blockchain.com. All right, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to throw out a name. In some instances, I may throw out multiple names because they kind of are groups of people. Yeah. Uh, But I'm going to throw out a name, and then I want you guys to just riff a little bit. Tell me what you saw. I assume you've had a chance to kind of digest and then watch the film and get an idea of these guys. But let's start first with Tyron Smith. Thoughts? Felt like the Tyron Smith played well in this game. I was really worried about the potential of him and Thibodeau and Ojolari, uh, you know, carrying him up the field. Maybe he's not as with the ankle. Was there going to be some problems? No, the physicality was good. The set was good. This the strength he plays. The couple of times he got into space when they were able to get the ball to the edge, you know, he worked well inside uh, with Adoga. Uh, you know, Adoga had his had moments where I thought he was really, really good. So the left side where you thought there might have been a little liability over there really played a nice game. And I was I was I was expecting Thibodeau to try and move Tyron a little bit. But Tyron wasn't having any of that. So it felt like a, a good start to, to his season. He, he definitely played some great football. Uh, and, and like Brian said, a lot of us were wondering not if he, were, he would play because we were confident he would. But, you know, was he operating on a bad wheel yeah. with that ankle sprain and going up against Ojolari and Thibodeau? How would he fare? And he fared extremely well. 62 pass blocking reps, zero pressures allowed yeah. for Tyron Smith. And that's in the passing game, which is just stellar football. And then you look at what he was able to do as far as affect the run game. Talk about Cavante Turpin off the left end, talk about uh, Tony Pollard being able to operate on that side of the ball. Uh, so for me, Tyron Smith looked every bit uh, prime Tyron Smith, and as long as he remains healthy, the Cowboys should feel fantastic at that left tackle position. They can get Tyler back, that's even better. Yeah. yeah. Uh, although yeah. Odoga, as you mentioned, Adoga, Adoga Adoga, had a good game. No, Adoga was, uh, you know, Adoga, what I learned is Adoga is a better guard 
prospect than he is a tackle prospect. And I know there's a lot of people saying, oh, well, you guys owe Adoga an apology. No, we owe Adoga what we saw. And in training camp, he was not good on the, as an offensive tackle. And the Cowboys felt like, okay, well, wait, who are we going to put at guard? Well, let's put Adoga at guard. Mm-hmm. Jerry Jones talked about it in, uh, in the pregame show. And, and Mike McCarthy did it with us on 105.3 The Fan before the game about the versatility of some of his offensive linemen. The Cowboys always believe in to be able to cross-train. And if a guy could play tackle, he could play guard. Maybe he can play center. So, you know, those are the kinds of things that you need to see. He obviously, to me, is a better guard than he is a tackle prospect. And like Brian said, you, I mean, at the end of the day, you are what you show. And, yeah. and in training camp, he didn't show as much of anything. And then he had the injury late in training camp. Um, but we sat on the same panel and we said that we hope he goes out and he shows something different right. against the Giants. And guess what he did in the next morning? We made sure we gave him his roses. So Next name, Leighton Van Der Esch. I'll tell you what, I liked watching Leighton mm-hmm. Van Der Esch play in this game because to me, what when the confidence that he plays with, and you could tell the guys around him play with the confidence. I felt like that Van Der Esch, the way he's able to get to the ball, the way he's able to play and help in coverage, you know, you watch him and with the with the way the pressure was, the drops and things like that. Daniel Jones's eye level was down anyway. He was looking at the rush. But with Van Der Esch, I didn't feel like there was any gaps or anything like that. The cross and stuff they handled, anything uh, uh, that, that was dealt in the middle of the field, anything in the running game, he stepped up. The first series, I thought I felt like that the, that the scheme-wise, the Giants had done some things to them, came off the ball a little bit better, got into those guys a little bit more than probably that they were ready for. But as the game wore on, Leighton did a better job of playing with his hands getting off blocks, and then getting to where he needed to be. I love what I saw from LVE. Uh, He was my marquee matchup against Saquon Barkley going into this game. I said that he was going to be paramount, he and Damone Clark, and playing sideline to sideline and containing Saquon Barkley. Uh, And he helped do just that. And he finished the night with, you know, six meaningful tackles because not every tackle is meaningful, but all of his were. Uh, Third most on the team behind only J. Ron Curse and Marquise Bell. The safety unit had themselves a day as well. Um, But what I also saw from Leighton Van Der Esch was versatility because this is something that I pointed out over the course of OTA's minicamp and training camp. At one point, Dan Quinn, de- Dan Quinn deployed a scheme that had Michael Parsons at zero tech and you had LVE rushing off the edge. Yeah. Now, that play almost worked, if not for Jones's mobility uh, breaking contain on the on his left side, which is the Cowboys' right side. But you saw Leighton Van Der Esch flying all over the field. You saw his versatility. I love what he put on the uh, on film this, this past Sunday. Yeah, one thing to note, uh, you were talking about the uh, what they did in that first series. Jerry talked about it this morning on his radio show and said, uh, he thinks that they uh, they actually got taken off guard a little bit. They did. Because they used some different blocking schemes Scheme. than maybe yeah. than what they'd showed, shown before on tape. Uh, and, and But they made ad- adjustments. Adaptations. And, uh, and I, I do think that the Giants went away from the run. I also think the Cowboys made some adjustments. You combine those two things, and it worked out Panic well for button. the Cowboys. Right. Ball yeah. constrictor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next name. Uh, actually, this is a, a guy that, that played a little bit more than we've been used to seeing him play, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, Kevontae Turpin. You know what? Um, it goes back to OTAs and minicamps where you saw him get more opportunity. And I don't know if that had to do with some of the injuries or some of the what was going on in OTAs with the wide receivers or they were just holding guys out. But you did actually see him in some of the scheme packages. And, you know, good for the Cowboys, uh, the offensive staff, for trying to figure out ways to get their players on the field. And with Turpin, uh, you know, one of the ones – uh, it was a little bit, uh, I wouldn't call it shocking, but to have him line up as a single back 
and then hand him the football uh, and, you know, and trying to attack that way, I think showed some creativity uh, on the offensive staff. But th- this is something that when you watch him play, you see that ability to make people miss the wiggle. Uh, you know, sometimes he'll run to darkness, which is crazy. He'll like, <laughs> like he'll like he'll find right into somebody. But yeah. but, but but overall, he's running faster than he really. Yeah, goes, but right? it's yeah. like he's going feet it, moving faster well, than his brain. Well, that's the thing about. It. I always equate it to like if you ever seen a Doberman run, its front legs go over here and its back <laughs> legs go over here. And Turpin's a little bit like that. But yeah. what you saw from him is the creativity to get him involved in the game. Not only throw him the football, but hand him the football. Just a quick just initial burst to try and get okay let's get maybe get five six seven yards before the defense really has a chance to react I like the versatility I like how they used him in this past game if you look at last season Turpin comes in off of an MVP season with the USFL jumps right in the Cowboys training a lot of football Uh, and and then on top of that the Cowboys did show the willingness to utilize him on offense in training camp before saying you know what regular season you're our ace returner and we're not using CeeDee Lamb as a returner anymore rightfully so we have to protect you and workload management again coming off of that USFL season now fresh rested battery fully recharged and credit to Kevontae Turpin because I asked Mike McCarthy you know what would be the difference outside of the the workload management that could help Kevontae Turpin be utilized in this offense this year he said he has to dive into the playbook has to dive into the playbook that's exactly what Kevontae has done over these past several weeks several months and now he's he has the coaching staff confident in the fact that he understands his assignments and his reads and things like that. So then you see week one, they wasted no time getting Cavante uh, involved. We were all wondering, what does Deuce Vaughn look like in week one? How many reps will mm-hmm. he get? How many touches will he get? Well, Cavante Turpin has shown that in that head-to-head battle to be that um, that change of pace back, so to speak, with Deuce Vaughn, he, he has the lead. Three carries, 14 yards, 4.7 yards per carry, one touchdown. That's good stuff. Uh, on three targets, he caught two of them, 11 yards. That's five and a half per carry, uh, per catch. Great start. So let's see how the Cowboys start to mix him in more and how they balance that with Deuce Vaughn. But from a Kevontae Turpin standpoint, and anyone who wanted to see him involved in the offense, you got to love what that start looked like. Hold on say. to that ball, bro. Yeah, right. Hold on to that know, ball, right? Yeah. You know, I, I started to think as I was watching them play and watching Cavante Turpin be involved in the offense, I was just thinking to myself, I wonder what would have happened three <laughs> years ago if Mike McCarthy was coordinating the offense and you had a Zeke that was doing the things yeah. Zeke was doing mm. back then and you got a guy like Pollard who would be the consummate uh, gadget player, right? And it made me just because, you know, the the joke always yeah. was for all of us, like, yeah, we'll believe it when we see it that they'll get Pollard more involved doing more things uh, than just, you know, kind of being the backup to, to Zeke. I just wonder how much more he would have been involved and how they could have used him in this offense because I'm looking at Turpin and I'm like, they found a role for a guy that just has immense talent. And that's the key. Like, you find the talent in your guys. You start. It's what Dan Quinn is, mm. is, is so great at. Right. He finds what's your talent, and then I'm going to exploit that. I'm just going to do all kinds of stuff to get you in your environment to do what you do best, and we're going to work it all together to where the defense is just a Well, the Cowboys horse. have been looking for um, a Lance Dunbar since Lance Dunbar, and especially being that Lance Dunbar didn't turn into what they wanted him to be. But they've been looking for that shifty, kind of gadgety guy. Uh, And maybe Turpin turns into that, and maybe Vaughn does as well, and maybe it's a two-headed you know, attack as far as that particular role. But, yeah, I think they do a phenomenal job at saying, let's not try to make you into what we want you to be. 
let's acknowledge what you are and make you great at what you are. Which so, are, yeah, they're doing great. Yeah, if you really want to make Jerry Jones mad, ask him if he felt like that. did he waste uh, Pollard's career so far? Make him mad. I asked him that question one time. <laughs> he got a little hot. He got a little hot. It's okay. But that's what you have to do. You have to figure these things out. Yeah. You know, you, you give the great example, Dan Quinn. Every guy on defense had a role. Everybody had a role in that victory the other night, mm-hmm. the way they played. Mm-hmm. You know, you saw different guys, different opportunities. You know, tell me about opening day if you would have thought that Wanye Thomas was going to be in the starting lineup. Tell me if you thought Bell was going to play as a linebacker. Now, maybe that's because of Overshone in his situation. Yes. I was worried that they were going to lose the Overshone package that they had in mind. Mm-hmm. But it looks like they've got a couple of guys that could potentially do what they want to do with Overshone being gone. And let's not forget, like the reason why they're out there also is because your starter isn't there. When right, he's right. back, he's going to do yeah. Donovan Wilson type oh, things. So it's, I just lovely. love how Dan Quinn just lovely. coordinates this thing. He just knows how to put guys in position yeah. and have them make plays, and and that's that's so much about it's creative group. Co- yeah, it's just yeah. about the, the coordinator well, just understanding his, t- his talent. And scouts really appreciate finding players for a guy like Dan Quinn and not to say they don't appreciate finding players for offensive coaches right, too but if you know if you if you're on the road and all of a sudden you're sitting there at, at Florida A&M and you see a player and you're thinking Dan can use this guy as a linebacker Dan could use this guy as a as one of those uh, safety linebacker guys you know now all of a sudden you're like hey Dan I saw a kid at, at you know in Tallahassee that does this or does that and it, it just makes it, it, it as a scout, it, it kind of it opens you up to other opportunities to find players because coaches use the players the way they do. The defensive side of the ball is just magnificent at, at the primary three phases of of winning on a player uh, development standpoint. So it's scouting slash well, scouting slash drafting, right. coaching and development, and then scheming uh, you know scheming these guys and where they need to be and helping them be in positions to win. And at all three of those levels, I mean, talking about Al Harris and Joe Witt and just yeah, the defensive they, they got coaching staff, coaches, yeah. um, the scouts have been phenomenal. The the assistant coaches and position coaches have been phenomenal. And, of course, Dan Quinn, he's going to Dan Quinn. Well, Dan, yeah, Dan takes an active role in that. Dan's out there shoulder to shoulder oh, yeah. with the scouts. No and, and not again, nothing yeah. against Mike McCarthy. I'm, Mike does a, you know his job with personnel stuff. But Dan's willing to roll up his sleeves and get out there with the scouts, too. I think Dan wants to lace him up. <laughs> 53 years old yesterday, yeah, I think right? Dan wants Happy to birthday. Him up. Happy belated birthday to Dan, Dan Quinn. Absolutely. All right, we're going to take our final break. We will come back and uh, we'll get into a little lab coat with no C. We'll do that when we come back. DallasCowboys.com radio. Todd thought it would be secure to jog in the cheetah savannah. Todd believed the big cat repellent he bought online was reliable. And now Todd is trying to be faster than this cheetah that can run 80 miles per hour. But the good news is Todd has AT&T 5G that is fast, reliable, and secure. And he learned the best thing to do is stop running and toss her the backpack with the beef stew. AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Don't put off getting your oil change, Dallas. Take 5 Oil Change. A proud partner of the Cowboys is faster than you think. There's no appointment needed and no waiting room. Yep, you heard that correctly. Take 5 is so fast, you don't even have to get out of your car. You can take advantage of Take 5's fast, friendly, and simple service at any of their locations across the Dallas area. And remember, at Take 5, you stay in your car because they're faster than you think. Take 5, the official oil change of the Dallas Cowboys. It's the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black. And right now, Cowboys fans can get 15% off their $75 order. Plus, because every deal needs a playmaker, your order will include a free five-piece skincare set and free shipping. The 
the Jack Black Playmaker is four of Jack's favorites in a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Make a play for the Playmaker at getjackblack.com slash cowboys with the code cowboysvip. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys with the code cowboysvip. They say champions are remembered, but legends are never forgotten. United Ag and Turf offers a winning lineup of John Deere equipment built to tackle any challenge on and off the field. Legendary John Deere tractors, combines, residential mowers, commercial mowers, compact construction equipment, gator utility vehicles, and a full line of golf and sports turf equipment. United Ag and Turf, the official Ag and Turf equipment supplier of the Dallas Cowboys. Visit unitedagandturf.com to find a location near you. Back to the break. Let's play in this game. There's a position for everybody, no matter who you are. Flag is your chance to run, throw, jump, and fly. This is your chance to get involved in the action and join the flag football movement. Learn more and find a league at NFLflag.com. Welcome back. Final segment of the Break Life from SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. Let's get into a little lab coat with no C. What you got? Bring me in, Beamer. Yes, science. All right. So, lab coat, ladies and gentlemen, weekly segment where I reach into the uh, the proverbial lab coat, bring out one or two items that the Cowboys uh, should focus on, be it within themselves or with the upcoming opponent. And now that well, once Aaron Rodgers went down, I immediately start digging into Zach Wilson, uh, and two numbers poked their head out. So let's talk about it. Uh, play action. So the first number is thirty nine. Second number is going to be twenty five. We'll get to that in a second. Thirty nine. 39% of Zach Wilson's uh, dropbacks are on a play action. But here's what makes that more intriguing. Only 21% of his total career yards are accounted for on successful play action plays. I say all of that to say uh, I was asked this morning on the fan, am I worried about Garrett Wilson? Uh, not entirely because of the Cowboys secondary. Brees Hall, Dalvin Cook. Brees Hall, Dalvin Cook. If you stop Brees Hall, who was explosive against the Bills, and Dalvin Cook is still Dalvin Cook, yeah, to say the least, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tim carries uh, 127 yards. Yes, then you will negate the the play action, uh, period, for Salah and Zach Wilson. And that's taking out 40% of their expected play calls for that young man, which then makes it that much easier to tee off on him as a pass rusher. Uh, next number, 25 Zach Wilson in his career with the Jets and their offensive line, as we saw last night, is still not great, particularly at the edges. 25% of his throws when under duress are categorized as bad throws. This is a stat I found on Pro Football Reference. Shout out to the, those guys. They do great work. Uh, and bad throws are excluding spikes and throwaways. So just pure drop back throws, which includes play action as well. If he's under duress, Zach Wilson throws a bad ball once out of every four attempts. The Cowboys will get opportunities to take the ball away. Now, some of those, this is just kind of an aside. Dak Prescott, bad throws, 13.2%. For his career. Now, this is since 2018 when they started tracking the stat. Aaron Rodgers, 17.48% since 2018. So those two are on a different planet. But when you use that contextually up against that 25%, which is technically 24.9 for Zach Wilson, shut down Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook, which eliminates the play action, shrinks the playbook for Zach Wilson quite a bit, and then get him under pressure situations, and he will throw you a bad ball once out of every four times. And when he does, question is, are you going to take that ball away? Yeah, I think that to me, and those are all great numbers and great ideas. The thing that that I'm looking at with Zach Wilson is legs. No different defensive, a different offensive coordinator mm. from what we've seen last year That's with fair. him. I think, and this is where maybe there's a little advantage for the Cowboys of Mike McCarthy's 
uh, understanding of Nathaniel Hackett. And maybe they, you know, and maybe they can have a little bit clear. Mike could help Dan and them understand what Nathaniel might be thinking as as a play caller. Of all the numbers that you just said, that just tells me right there, I don't need Zach Wilson throwing the ball very much. So I'm going to try and figure out ways mm. to help him. I'm going to try and make as simple throws that I can. I'm going to try and, and make the defense look as easy as I can. Because what's going to happen is if if they turn if this turns into a passing game, everything you just said, Patrick, is absolutely going to happen. There's going to be bad passes. There's going to be turnovers. There's going to be awful football for the Jets. I think Nathaniel Hackett now understands. I think having the training camp with Zach Wilson, he kind of understands now what he can and cannot do. And there's a lot of cannot do. So how do you navigate that? How do you find a way? And, and to me, it's Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook is mm-hmm. what it is. It's, and the one thing the Cowboys showed, that first drive, that there could be some problems stopping the run. You know, even if you have a compromised offensive line, and this is not a very good offensive line. I don't think it's as, as weak as what we saw with the Giants and what they did, but there's some issues there. To me, it's all about Nathaniel Hackett figuring out things for Zach Wilson because all those numbers will play if they sit there and say, okay, we're just going to turn into a team that's going to try and pass the ball here. So they, they, this, this team now, to me, be, turns into run first, play great defense. Run first, play great defense. And to that point, and I, I will turn into Brian Broaddus on this one, <laughs> um, mobility for the quarterback, yeah. right? So the mobility of Daniel Jones was a concern, rightfully so, and you saw it play out over the you know first three quarters of that opening drive against the Giants. Uh, Zach Wilson is actually slightly more mobile. Um, yeah. Zach Wilson has 30 scrambles in his, his two-year career, and he's averaging nine yards per scramble. Hmm. Daniel impressive. Jones is averaging 7.9. So while the mobility is is equivalent, Zach Wilson is actually slightly better at his escapability. Might go to athleticism, might go to youth, whatever the case may be. The, the good news is the Cowboys showed with the assistance of the Giants changing up their play calling that they can contain that for the course of four quarters. But when we're talking about the Jets going run first, which I agree, I yeah. believe they will, yeah. that's going to be a part of their run first dynamic. Yeah. I will throw one real, one monkey wrench in that first statue throughout there. The one thing that can complicate that a little bit is that Garrett Wilson is a bad ball catcher. As yeah. we saw last night in that game, no like, question. that was not a great throw. Yeah. Yeah. That was great coverage. It was. He literally was just like, eh-eh, give me that. And he took it, and it's a touchdown, right? Good. That's the part that I think can be a little bit of a challenge. Like, yeah. again, when I was talking earlier in the show, and we were talking about the Jets, I'm like, their defense is so good. Their defense can keep you in games, and all it takes is that kind of moment right. where Garrett Wilson makes a bad ball throw, look like a great throw, yeah. and turns it into a touchdown, and now you're in a ball game. That's fair. And, and now you end up losing to a team that you probably should beat, but because their defense is so good and keeps them in the game, it just all they need is that one moment when he can catch that bad ball and turn it into something great. 100% accurate. And I will say this in real time when Garrett Wilson made that catch, and I even tweeted, I was like, man, what a catch. Respect, respect, because that was ridiculous. Um, If you go back and you look at the play, I wonder if if Gil, if that's a PBU for a guy like Gilmore who rides the hip effectively, uh, because if you look at the spacing in that corner of that pylon, I mean, I think that's a play that Gilmore has a shot on. I think that's a play that Trayvon Diggs has a shot on. So that would be... Garrett Wilson's ability to catch bad throws versus 
the ability of Trevon Diggs and Stephon Gilmore to stay on the hip of guys like Gary Wilson, particularly in short yardage situations where there's not a lot of space for that receiver to operate. So I'm looking forward to that. I, I believe that that's the case. Yeah, absolutely. But if out of 16 attempts, if there are four bad throws, not all of those throws are going to Garrett Wilson. Somebody else is going to get targeted and it's going to be a bad throw who is not a bad throw catcher like Garrett Wilson is. Yeah, so the absolutely. opportunities will be there. Yeah, but I, I do think Garrett Wilson will be a problem. And then we'll get into it that could a little. Be, yeah, very well. As we yeah. start getting yeah. into the, the shows, I think, uh, what are we doing tomorrow? Tomorrow's we'll do, their defense. We'll do a little bit yeah. of defense. Yeah, and Thursday. then we'll do offense on Thursday. But when we when we start talking about that, I think that's going to be a big part of it is that those running backs will be huge, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but Garrett Wilson's a guy that's – he could be a problem for you. And uh, and even with a, a quarterback that doesn't – he reminds me of, of – uh, of of I'm trying to think of my guy that used to be with the Texans uh, that, that Hopkins was in Hopkins oh, I was going to Hopkins say was the Tennessee same kind now. of player yeah he's a Tennessee yeah, yeah. now same kind of guy he yeah. got, he had bad quarterbacks throughout the vast majority of his career but you know what he did every year still caught a bunch of those scared balls. me for a second because my Bad brain balls. went to Andre Johnson. I was like, no. No, I wouldn't yeah, go like that. <laughs> no, he had. He had yeah, Webster right. Slaughter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, right. but no, I mean, that, that's 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 what I'm starting to get a little vibe of yeah. Garrett Wilson. He's that kind of guy that doesn't matter who you put back there at quarterback, he's going to make some plays. Yeah. And he's going to make his, share, his fair share of plays, uh, and you got to be concerned they're, about They're going to try and protect this quarterback yeah. for sure. They're going to try and, and ease him in, and they understand. If, if it turns into a passing game, Dallas, that that's the that's Dallas's advantage right there. If yeah. I'm if I'm Robert Sala, I'm going to die on the hill of trying to run the ball. No doubt, I'm going to try because I know if I drop back and throw the ball a bunch, you're done. I'm my, just like the other New York team. I'm going to look just as bad. You're done. And you got two great running backs. Yeah. Why not? Like Why they, not? They're set up for success running the ball because they got yep. those two backs. They got yep. yeah. And Delvin Cook, um, although he you know hasn't been successful against the Dan Quinn regime. Um, I mean, it's a team game. If you go back and you look at what Delvin Cook was able to do as far as statistically, he's put up solid numbers against the Cowboys. Now, obviously, it was in the Vikings outfit with the Vikings offensive line. Not that they're world beaters, but, you know, they're, you know, arguably better than most. They got good skill there. Yeah. They got some skill right. players. So, yeah. Cook, and when he's the second. Yeah, and he's yeah. the second. He's the second. He's so, the second. Yeah, so I mean, Brees Hall is a, well, he's they, a beast. They can wear you down with that. We'll, we'll yeah. get into that more on, for Thursday. Yeah. For sure. All right. The run. Appreciate you guys joining us. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll get into uh, more talk on Cowboys versus Jets. So, for Brian Brown. This is Patrick Walker. I'm Derek Eagleson. This has been The Break live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys?